since I didn't preach Sunday, um, I don't know what questions you might have about the sermon, but we can ask anything and I think I can say anything because it was, you know, thank you. You know, Gary preached, so we'll just, we'll just make up whatever we want to, right? <laughs> no, Gary did a great job. Did everybody get an outline? All right, all right. Gary did a great job and I really appreciate him. But uh, what I wanted to do tonight, we have tonight and next week. This is December 1st for those of you who are listening. Uh, and then next week, December 8th. And that will be, that will be it for uh, the frequently asked questions for the year. But make sure you come back on the 15th because on December 15th, we, uh, I'm so excited. We, we have something called Jingle Jam. And uh, it's going to be a night of just really, really fun and meaningful uh, Christmas music, and uh, and some other some other things, some um, some interactive stuff, some things for the whole family. So, uh, come one, come all. We're gonna have a really really good time. I'm excited. So that's what's coming up, and then you know the 15th. After the 15th, then you know what happens the following week. So I'm just really really excited. So what we're going to do tonight, this is probably something that I probably could have and maybe should have shared a couple weeks back before Thanksgiving, uh, because you can see from the title, Reducing Relational Drama. You say, thanks, Kevin. Um, could have used that last week when the family was in town, maybe, uh, for Thanksgiving. I don't know. But, you know, better late than never. Um, but no, actually... Yes, there are some things that you'll be able to use as you interact with family over the holidays uh, between now and, and New Year's, but uh, this, is, this is just going to provide some, um, uh, some encouragement and some good things to think about uh, with any relationship that, uh, that we have. Uh, I would dare say that we could all use a decrease of drama. Am I right? Or do anybody want more drama? Oh, John. <laughs> How did I know it would be, it would be you, it would be you. No, um, yeah, yeah, more drama, more drama. Um, so these are going to be some things to help maybe de-escalate some of that drama. Um, our natural tendency at times can be whenever we run into some difficulties uh, to kind of ramp up the drama. We react rather than respond, um, escalate a situation rather than de-escalate it, and yet God calls us to peace, as we just uh, were talking about uh, with Lisa, and this week we light the candle. Uh, this week is the candle of hope, but on Sunday we light the candle of peace. So how can we live at peace and reduce the relational drama in our lives? So we're going to be in Colossians, one of my favorite books of the Bible, Colossians chapter 3. And um, I have more outlines, if anybody needs an outline. Need an outline? All right. Yeah. Do you have one? Okay, Awesome. Okay, good, good, good. And what I'd like to do is read, begin reading in verse 12. Okay, begin reading in verse 12. Now, uh, kind of the background here, Paul the Apostle is writing to a church full of people, therefore it's a church with problems, uh, relational problems, uh, lots of different issues. So in this particular uh, section, he's, he's giving some very, very good relationship advice. So let's begin in verse 12. I'm reading out of the New American Standard. It may be a little different than what you have in front of you. And so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and dearly loved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 
Sounds kind of similar to that list of the fruits of the Spirit, huh? Over in, over in Galatians. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you forgive each other. You have, no, that's okay. You know what? I'm, I'm always afraid when I use my version app that I'm going to hit that little play button and... and <laughs> The Bible's going to start talking to me. <laughs> it's so funny, and I know Patrick back there can appreciate this, but I saw recently this advertisement for, you know, the Bible on audio read by James Earl Jones. Now, I love James Earl Jones' voice, but he's also the voice of Darth Vader. And I'm thinking, you know, you know, for God so loved the world, you know. <laughs> You know, Darth Vader reading John 3.16, I don't know what to do with that. I, I want to hear it, but I'm afraid I might not be able to unhear it. Um, so anyway, all right, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll start in, in verse 13. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you forgive one another. And beyond all these things, put on love which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So I love this passage. There's so much here. So we're, we're going to look at a few, a few items um, on how we can reduce the relational drama in our life. And really, I think much of the Christian life comes down to how well we get along with other people. Uh, the Bible says in Romans, as far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all people. Well, that's easier said than done. How do we do that? I think this gives us some, some, some how-tos. So if you're on the receiving end of relational conflict, this can help you navigate how you would respond to that. If you're on the giving end, you know, um, this will talk about how you can stop that cycle of conflict and start to make things right and avoid repeating those mistakes. God wants us to live together in unity. So let's jump in here and see... Um, what we need to do. So I think the first, first aspect, the first step, if you will, the first attitude adjustment, the first choice in reducing relational drama is you must be willing to take the high road, okay? You must be willing to take the high road. And again, all these are decisions. These are all decisions. Uh, look at verse 12. And so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and dearly loved... What I love about this is the, the, the first part of this is remembering who we are and remembering whose we are. Uh, you might ask the question, why is it important for me to take the high road, Kevin? Well, because of who you have a relationship with. You're, you're, you're made in the image of God, and if you're a follower of Christ, Jesus uh, or Paul writes that you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Um, our identity is wrapped up. In, in who we follow, 
who, who gives us value, who gives us purpose. That's God. And so while there may be a lot of different things in life with which I identify and I have an affinity for, ultimately my identity <clears throat> must be in Christ. If my identity is in, wrapped up in anything or anyone else, then it's going to show because that is going to be what informs my decision-making, my response to things, um, my, uh, my, my, my choices. And so I love how Paul here in verse 12 says, you know, and so, and we don't have time to go back into <laughs> chapters 1 and 2 and, and the, you know, the run-up to uh, chapter 3 where he says, and so, or therefore, because of everything that he's written before, um, but because of all of that that he's already explained, he ties it back in with our identity. Therefore, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and dearly loved. In other words, remember who you are. Remember who you belong to. Remember who you represent. Remember who has responded to your sinfulness with grace and mercy. And how that has changed the trajectory of, of, of your destiny. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. So there's this identity factor. Why do we take the high road? Why is it important we take the high road? Because that high road is consistent with who we are as followers of Jesus. Then it goes into sensitivity. Sensitivity um, as a part of that, that I, are we sensitive to our identity? Um, and so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and dearly loved, put on a heart of compassion. So this ties in, if you, you were chosen of God, holy and dearly loved, and that identity is going to be consistent with the one you follow. And what are the characteristics of God? Well, we see this kindness, compassion, this humility, this gentleness, this patience. Now, I love that word uh, gentleness. You can circle that if you want. Um, I'm not doing that to the exclusion of the other words, but, you know, gentleness, what, what does that mean? Some, some translations may say meekness. And we tend to have this idea that meekness is weakness, but it's not. This word gentleness there is, is, comes from a Greek term which means to tame, to hold back. It's power under control. It's not an absence of power. It's not an abdication of power. It's not a lack of strength. It's recognizing the strength and, and, and recognizing that there's power there, but holding it back. Um, I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, and I'm not sorry. Okay. And I was a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan before Tom Brady arrived. So I'm not a bandwagon Bucks fan. I've been a Bucks fan my whole life. Yeah, I was, Christy, all the way back to the creamsicle, uh, to the creamsicle uniforms and uh, 0 and 14, um, you know, when they, they lost 14 games in a row. And so um, I'm not fair weather. But one of the things about uh, having Tom Brady on our team now is uh, they really went out and got a good uh, offensive line to protect him. And it's interesting to watch film of them practicing 
because you better believe that if one of our, because the Bucks have a really good defense, so if one of our defensive players gets through that offensive line and has a bead on Tom Brady, do you think they hit him in practice? No. No. And it's been interesting to watch because I'm a nerd like that, so I watch film of, of their practices, you know, because I have no life. Uh, no. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, there'll be these, these huge 200, almost 300-pound linemen get through the offensive line, and they run toward, and then they hold up, and they kind of dance around him like a ballerina. <laughs> That's power under control. That's meekness. Now, you, you go and tell those guys, oh, the fact that you didn't lay him out, you must be weak. You go tell them that. I'll, I'll, I'll let you tell them that. But no, it, the power is there. It's power under control. That's kind of the image, the image there. And that's what it means there, that sensitivity, that gentleness. And that's the kind of gentleness with which we approach relationships, especially relationships with difficult people or relationships um, where we're interacting, <clears throat> excuse me, with a delicate or a sensitive situation. And we need this because of verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive each other. How do you do that if you're not exercising power under control? If you're reacting and letting it loose. So taking the high road is, it's kind of a euphemism we use. It's kind of a, a, a saying that we have, but it's not doing what you could do Maybe not even doing what you'd like to do. Maybe not even doing what you technically may have a right to do or say. But it's holding that back, not, not in an enabling way, but of saying, you know, I'm going to respond. I'm not going to react. I'm not going to respond at the same level that this issue or this confrontation is coming at me from, okay? I don't want to escalate it. Um, I want to de-escalate it. I want to defuse it. I'm not going to react in kind. I could hit back, but I'm not going to hit back. I'm choosing not to hit back. Um, that's what taking the high road means. And we have to lean on our identity we have to lean on gentleness, sensitivity to our own power, sensitivity to our own weakness, in order to bear with each other and forgive each other whatever grievances we may have against one another. Because remember what the Lord has a right to do and had a right to do toward us in our sin. You know, what he would have been justified to do. And yet... He extends grace and mercy. Not saying, oh, it's okay, no problem. No. But grace and mercy are extended, and he took the penalty on himself. Um, I love the movie The Rookie. You get, it's kind of an old movie, but Dennis Quaid, yeah, where Dennis Quaid is, is, is a rookie, um, um, incidentally, for the Tampa Bay Rays. Well, they, wow, wow. It's almost like it's the Lord's will or something. No. Um, they're just the rays now. Back then, they were the devil rays. And I remember uh, some preachers in the area didn't think we should root for I said, it's an animal. Well, come on. You know, anyway, um, 
But in that movie, you remember Dennis Quaid's character has a really bad relationship with his father. His father wasn't there for him, uh, didn't support his dreams of being a baseball player. And uh, they were kind of estranged and kind of distant from one another. But then whenever, um, whenever Dennis Quaid's character gets that first start with, with the Rays, and he comes in as a relief pitcher, and he strikes the guy out. And after the game, he's walking out, and there's his dad. And it's a powerful scene. And <clears throat> his, his dad, you know, basically says, you know, I wasn't going to miss this one. But you can see, you can see if you go back and watch that, you can, you can Google it or YouTube it or whatever, but you can see the conflict on the character's face. Has every right to tell his dad to get lost. Because how many times has had his dad let him down? More times than he could count. But he showed up then. And so... You know, you can see the conflict and you think the scene is going to end because Quaid's character really doesn't respond. And so his dad starts to turn and walk away. And then Quaid's character says, hey, dad. And he, he, out of his jacket, he pulls the game ball. And he hands it to his dad. And he says, thanks for coming. And so you see, what could he have done? What might have even made him feel good in the moment is when his, when his dad made himself vulnerable like that just to kick his teeth in, you know, emotionally. Um, but instead, he took the high road. He took the de-escalation. He took the redemptive, the healing path. And so identity, you know, uh, getting back rooted in our identity, sensitivity, gentleness, these are key to taking the high road. But here's a question. What if our emotions just don't jive with those lofty ideas? What if on the receiving end of somebody difficult or the receiving end of relational drama, we're just not feeling it? And we remember, yeah, Kevin said take the high road, but I just don't feel like it. Okay, well, I'm glad you asked. What do you think? What do you do? Yeah, I'm asking, what do you do when you just, this is great advice, Kevin, but... I just don't feel like it. Walk away. <laughs> Walk away. Who's texting me? I'm going to escalate this situation. No, I'm kidding. Okay. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, so what do you do when you're just not feeling it? You know, high road, that's a high and lofty idea. That sounds good, Kevin. Maybe, maybe super Christians can do that, but I'm just not feeling it. Oh, Daphne, I was afraid you were going to say that. And that is an action that's really independent of how you're feeling. And that's true. Um, and forgiveness, I, I've, got a, <clears throat> I've got a series on forgiveness that I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to get around to doing it in 2022, but maybe 2023. I've already got the preaching calendar done for 2022. Um, but one of the things about forgiveness is forgiveness is not saying it's okay. You know, forgiveness is, you know, forgiveness actually requires us to acknowledge and even name what the offense and what the hurt was. And I know we kind of in our culture say, oh, it's okay. But, but technically, no, no, it's not okay. It hurt. 
And in light of and in spite of and in the face of that hurt, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to, I'm going to think of. Here's how I'm going to see this person. Here's how I'm going to frame this and, and do it anyway. So that's the second point there. Remember that your actions are more important than your feelings. What if I'm not feeling it? I'm not going to tell you that you're magically going to start feeling it. But your actions are more important than your feelings. Not saying that your feelings aren't important. You, know, you, need, to cons- you need to consider those. But your actions are more important than your feelings. Look at verse 12. And so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on. Okay? Put on. Some of your translations may say, clothe yourself. Okay? There's a whole clothing motif in this, um, in this chapter, beginning with verse 8. Okay? Way back in verse 8. It says, uh, but now you also put them all aside or take them off. What? Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Take off those things, put, put aside, put off those things. And then in verse 12, but put on. There's this clothing motif. I think verse 8 in some translations says, rid yourselves, okay? And then, and then in verse 10, you've taken off the old self and you've put on the new self. And so he used this phrase, clothe yourselves, because sometimes, sometimes we have to cover the feelings by putting on the right behavior. Okay, C.S. Lewis talks about this, and I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. But the thing is, your feelings may be sending you in one direction emotionally, but you clothe yourselves with attitudes and behaviors that move you toward God's will for your life. Um, there's this, I'm going to teach you a 50-cent word now, okay? It's called appropriation. It's a theological doctrinal term, Appropriation. And it means taking what we know to be true of what God has said, that we are a forgiven people, that we are his children, and as such, we are forgiven, we have been given grace and mercy, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, and all those things are are true, but you have to apply them to you, okay? And appropriation is kind of like, here is this garment, this robe, and this robe is, contains all these attitudes and all of these choices and all these, all of these things that I know I need. But I have on another outfit, and this outfit is anger, greed, malice, rage. And so what have I got to do? I got I to I get rid of that. I got to take that off. But what's funny here, the Bible's funny sometimes. Okay, the Bible's funny sometimes. This, this word picture of rid yourselves, it, 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 it has in mind kind of the same, the same kind of, um, the same kind of energy to rid yourself of something the way that, you remember the story in the Bible of where Joseph, um, Joseph was, was in a situation and uh, Potiphar's wife was, um, you know, making some moves on him. And, and he, uh, he kind of shimmied and shook himself out of his robe, you know. And 
he, he did that move and ran off and she's there holding the robe. It's that kind of energy. Rid yourself. Take off. Don't gently, oh, I think I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to move this anger garment just down a little bit. No, it's, you ever walked into a spider web with your face? What do you do? You know, you're going crazy. People think, whoa, they're having a fit over there or something, you know, because you're afraid the resident arachnid is going to, you know, crawl up your nose or something. You want to get that thing away from you as much as possible. Um, That's the kind of energy here. But now rid yourself, aggressively, drastically rid yourself and put on, completely cover yourself, okay? Completely overwhelm yourself and appropriate onto your person these other attitudes, these other, they take off the old self, put on the new self. This is another, you know, in, in Ephesians, it talks about putting on the full armor of God. Okay, that's another type of appropriation. This is put on like a robe, kind of like with the uh, parable of the prodigal sons. I say that plural, both of them were prodigals in their own way. But it's, you know, here's this filthy, smelly, foolish son who has squandered his father's wealth, lived as a prodigal, come back home, repented, and the father says, put the best robe on him. Not because he deserved it, but by that robe and the ring that was put on him, he was, re, he, he was, he was restored to his place. The, the, his rank was reappropriated to him. Sometimes what we have to do is we have to take those things that the Lord um, identifies us with and appropriate them to our lives. Like we're putting on a garment. So he says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Because you're not always going to feel that way. Just because you feel something doesn't mean you have to say it. Okay? Just because we feel some way doesn't mean those feelings have to control us. And you don't have to let your feelings control your actions. Paul said, put on compassion. You may not feel these things, but you can put them on, at least temporarily. But that seems hypocritical, you know. Um, but if you feel dislike for another person and you show them kindness, I don't think you're being hypocritical. I think you're, um, I, I think you're making the decision to practice agape love. See, C.S. Lewis um, was asked a question similar to this. If I don't feel like loving someone, my neighbor, or God even, then what do I do? And he responded to the question with a question. Um, if you loved them, what would you do? Well, I would do da, 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 da. He says, then go do that. The feelings may follow. Act as if you love them. Act as if you do. And the feelings may follow. So, and that's true in our marriages. You know, that's true in our, in our friendships, our relationships. Um, believe it or not, I know this is going to be hard for some of you to really, really understand. Sometimes my wife doesn't like me. I know, I know. Oh, no, no, no. Everybody sit down, please. Those of you who are listening, people are headed for the door because they cannot believe what I just said. No, that's not happening. I'm lying. Um, but, but no, sometimes my wife doesn't like me. Um, she always loves me. And sometimes the only reason she loves me is because she's making a choice to. You know, and um, that's never happened with me toward her because she's a saint. But, um, but that's, that's how this goes. 
your actions are more important than your feelings. I'm not saying to abandon your feelings. I'm not saying, and again, I'm not talking about instances where you being on the receiving end of a difficult person, I'm not talking about you being abused. I'm not talking about you being exploited. I'm not talking about those situations. No, you don't need to put on anything uh, other than your, your running shoes and get away, okay? So understand the limitations of this. I'm talking about... Um, kind of your typical, relational, difficult drama stuff. Um, It can be very, very difficult to act loving. And you may not feel the love, but you demonstrate the love. You demonstrate the compassion. You demonstrate the gentleness. So if we're honest, we tend to separate our actions from our words. And many times conflict can either ignite or be extinguished with just a few simple words that we choose to either say or choose to hold back from saying. So you can't always control the way you feel, but you can control the way you dress. So clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Okay? And as Annie said, you're never fully dressed without a smile. Yeah. Okay. That's from... Annie, the musical, you know, Little Orphan Annie. Okay, I didn't know if I lost you there. Okay. Huh? Oh, Annie's always on at my house. We love, oh, yeah. I, I, I want to see that one because I love Harry Connick Jr. All right. You're never fully dressed without a smile. Okay, couldn't resist. All right, so third, what do you do? Decide to include Christ in every conversation. Here's another decision. Here's another decision. Look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you, or dwell in you richly, depending on your translation, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Again, it's, it's, a, it's a decision. Um, it's a command. Let this happen, but it's a decision on your part. Let the word of God, or allow the word of God, or make sure the word of God. What would Jesus say about this person that you're having the conflict with? What would Jesus say about this person? You may, not, you may not always know what Jesus would say, but you'll almost always know for certain what he wouldn't say. He probably wouldn't say what you want to say. What would you say about this person if Jesus were present? Ooh, ouch, Kevin, no, get off my toes. No, I'm stomping on the toes of the guy in the mirror, too. I have the spiritual gift of sarcasm um, in, in, in spades. And so, yeah, I know. And, um, and so it can be really, really tough for me to not, you know, give some cutting reply, uh, some smart aleck remark. And yet, what have, what have I done? I've, I've, I've belittled the person or said something at the person's expense to lift myself up. And yet, number one, would I do that if they were standing there? Probably not. Number two, would I do that if Jesus was standing there? I shouldn't. The thing is, he is there. He is here. He is with us. Um, that's why I love in, in Philippians, um, Philippians where, where it says, uh, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Therefore, don't be anxious about anything, but with prayer and supplication. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. I think what we do there is we tend to say, "Let your gentleness be evident to all," because the Lord is near. 
Okay, I think that's fine. That's fine. But we tend to separate that from the next part. I kind of read that, and sometimes the way that I have to split up that verse is to start, the Lord is near, so don't be anxious for anything. The Lord is near. The Lord is within earshot, Kevin. So don't say what you were thinking of saying about that person. If I, if I include Christ, and what I mean by including Christ is every, in every conversation, it's holding every conversation as if Jesus were physically present and standing right there um, looking at me and listening to me. Then how would I talk about another person? I don't know. It would probably be different. Would it be different for you? And, and yet then, you know, what do we go and do? <laughs> um, uh, Proverbs 18.21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And sometimes I think it can be very easy for us to forget that, that old phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's baloney. Okay, that's baloney. Um, I, st- I still remember things that were said to me that were really, really hurtful from years and years and years ago. And if we're all honest and had confession time and got real vulnerable with each other, we probably could think back uh, on some of those too. I, you know, I have bumps and bruises and scars, you know, from different accidents and clumsiness and different things along the way. But you know what? Those, those didn't always hurt as much as as some things that people have said. And that's where we all are at. So part of reducing relational drama is um, taking seriously not just how I, you know, not just my my attitude and and everything, but, but really taking account of the words, you know, how I talk to someone, but also how I talk about someone. Um, you know, gossip tends to be the church's pet sin, you know, um, and I've been guilty of it. That's Baptists? Okay. <laughs> the, the Methodists are immune to gossip, I see. <laughs> yeah, oh my goodness. I used to joke around when I would preach in a Baptist church, I would say, I want this to stay between us, folks, so I know that it won't leave the room, right? You know, uh, just, you know just to poke at them a little bit. But what is gossip? What is gossip? Um, and there are a lot of different definitions, and this is one that I came up with. Um, when we entertain ourselves and others by talking about someone in a way that either celebrates their misfortune or in a way that envies their success. That, I mean, you know, I don't know that that covers it all, but that's what I came up with. Um, another way of looking at it is when I complain about an issue to someone who absolutely has no way to do anything about it. You know, um, so different things like that. Proverbs 20:19 says, "Don't associate with a gossip." Um, and on the flip side of that, Proverbs 25:11 says, "A word aptly spoken is like an apple of gold in a setting of silver." Uh, 
So it's really watching what we say, watching not just what we say, but how we say it and who we're saying it about. And so, Kevin, does this mean that all of our conversations have to be nothing but marshmallow fluff? No, you got to have tough conversations sometimes. You got to be direct. But it means that when we do have conflict, we, dis- we first, first go to the person with whom we have the conflict and no one else, no triangles. We go to them first and we discuss it with them and with them only first. And we seek for that to be a redemptive and a, and a peacemaking type of confrontation, even if it's a confrontation. Um, I could say more on that. There's a whole, you know, a whole science and art to that. Um, Matthew 18 will help walk you through that. Um, I can understand that if we might go to a mentor or someone who is absolutely not involved uh, just to get some, um, some perspective, but I still think the, the best place to start is with the person directly, not two or three people involved and then maybe to the person or asking someone else to talk to the person. Um, so when we include Christ in every conversation, then we do the work of being a peacemaker. Um, and I love St. Francis of Assisi, his, his prayer, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. But here's the thing. Is it possible to be a peacemaker if we're not at peace ourselves? Okay, how can you give what you don't have? And so that takes us to the last thing here is... Um, Pursue personal peace with God. You know, we're getting ready to light the candle of peace. And um, I wonder how many of us peace is missing from our life. Look at verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. We were called to peace. We were called to be peacemakers. The key to developing peace in our relationships is to experience peace with God first, okay? And that peace comes from following the Lord. Uh, Romans chapter, I think it's Romans chapter 5 verse 1, that having been justified by His grace, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God because of Jesus. And you know, now peace is on God's terms. He is the Prince of Peace, the Sar Shalom, meaning He is the one. We come to peace with God on God's terms, not our terms, but on God's terms. But peace is available, and peace is offered, and we are called to that peace. And so when we pursue that peace with God, and I love that, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. It's let down the guards, let down the things that that prevent the rule of Christ in our hearts and recognize the rule of Christ in our hearts. And that is where peace begins. Because then you and I have camaraderie, you and I have brotherhood and sisterhood because 
we all got in here the same way. <laughs> you know, uh, I, you, you didn't get in on your good behavior, um, and neither did I. The ground's level at the foot of the cross. We all, you know, we, we all have this peace of, with God because we need Jesus. And so that takes us back around to that whole idea that we forgive because we've been forgiven. You know, and we are gracious because so much grace has been poured out on us. Um, but, you know, so here, here are some things to kind of eh, ask the person in the mirror. Because maybe you're on the receiving end, and I think some of these other things can apply. But if, you're, if you tend to find yourself on the giving end of being difficult, you know, if maybe you've had some, some people in your life tell you, you know, you're kind of you're hard to get along with, you know, or, 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 or whatever. Here's the, thing, here's the thing I want you to notice. I've never in my life met a happy critic. I've never met a happy critic. I've never seen a critical person go skipping down the lane, you know. I've never met a gossip full of the joy of the Lord, ever, okay. It comes down to this. People who constantly stir up tension in relationships often do it because they have little peace within themselves. People who have peace typically don't have a desire to stir things up. So Paul also reminds us that peace is a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. The, the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. So if people are constantly rubbing you the wrong way, maybe there's a chance that they're not the problem. You know, if you just don't seem to be able to get along with people, maybe it's not always their fault. Maybe sometimes it is, okay? But I always have to ask myself, if I'm kind of on a roll of ticking people off, it's, I probably don't need to be looking at them saying, what's wrong with them? I probably need to be saying, am I in a mood here? Am I in a rut? You know, what's going on with me? And I have noticed in those times in my life, whenever I have not been at peace with God, I tend to be out of, out of sync with my wife, my son, you know, other people in my life who I love dearly. And so it's a pretty good barometer. What, where am I at peace with, with other people? And if not, then am I at peace with God? Okay? So getting along with others is not easy. It's not easy, okay? Because we rub shoulders with people, and that causes friction. And, you know, the roads would be so much better if it weren't for people on them. Church would be so much easier if it weren't full of people. You know, uh, Walmart would not be hell on earth uh, if it wasn't full of people. You know, or whatever. It, people! And we got to have people. We love people, and people are part of the problem. But the problem is I'm people. Okay? I'm people. I have determined what is wrong with the world. And I think it was G.K. Chesterton that said this. But, but it's, and it's me. I am what's wrong with this world. So God helped me, and he does. And so, oh, wow, is God, God helping you too? Well, then we can cut each other some slack, and we can give each other some grace, and we can express mercy and forgiveness to one another. Yeah. Corey Ten Boom, um, who was a, she was a um, um, prisoner of war, 
and um, she wrote a book called The Hiding Place. So, um, <clears throat> and anyway, after, after the war, she went around talking about forgiveness, uh, and then one night at one of her talks, a gentleman was waiting for her afterwards, and it was one of her tormentors. It was one of her captors. And she tells the story of how it got really real really quick and how she really struggled because he was asking her for her forgiveness. Uh, she, went to her, she went to her pastor and she said, I, w- I know that I should forgive him. And, I'm, and she was basically saying, I'm having to keep forgiving him. You know? um, and what, what he said to her was really, was really neat and it's something that I've applied and I think maybe it can be helpful for, for your question. Um, is he, he likened it to ringing a bell. And he said, Corey, whenever you have those feelings, you start thinking of this person, and you start getting, and then you, you imagine yourself punching them in the face, or, you know, whatever it is. You imagine yourself getting yours, you know, um, and, or, or them getting theirs, and you kind of enjoy that. And he said, what you're doing there is you're ringing that bell. You're ringing that bell, and it, it will resound, and it'll get louder, and it'll drown out everything else. He said, when you have those, not if, but when you have those tendencies, like, don't ring the bell. Don't ring the bell. Uh, and you say, you know what? What I want to do is grab that bell and I want it to wail away. But that's going to do nothing but drown out everything else in my life that's good. Because you may have lost respect for this person, but you're still standing. Those people, but you're still standing. You're still standing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, forgiveness, that's the thing. I think sometimes we think that as Christians, forgiveness is quick and easy. No, forgiveness is a process. It's a journey. And you might start it, and it may take years. It may take decades to the point to where when you think of that person and what they've done to you, you don't want to hit back. Because um, Lewis, yeah, well, Lewis Smeads put it this way. He, you know, he said uh, unforgiveness is like, um, I'm going to butcher this, but he said, you know, unforgiveness is like a a prison and you find that the prisoner is you. It's like being in a prison and it's locked from the inside, you know, so you can open it and walk out. But resentment, um, Desmond Tutu uh, said that resentment is like um, drinking rat poison and expecting that poison to hurt your enemy. You're the one drinking the poison. So, and again, this is none of this is saying it's okay. It's not saying it's okay, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, and and forgiveness doesn't mean that you will ever get respect back. In fact. Um, um, I've written about civility and everything like that. Civility is actually necessary because civ- being civil to someone is actually the tool and the framework. Civility gives us a framework on how to interact with someone when we have zero respect for them. Because what civility will do is it will keep me in check. It will keep me in check and, and I, will, I will operate towards someone in a, in, in a way that allows 
that allows me to communicate when there's no respect there. I'm not, saying that, I'm not saying that you're only civil with people you don't respect. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that's one of the benefits of civility is it answers the question, how do I interact with someone when I have zero respect or zero trust? Civility gives you those, those tools to do it. So, um, but as far as the forgiveness, yeah, it, it, it takes a while. It can take a while. Um, so does my interaction with others reflect a heart that's at peace? Question for us to ask. Um, so is peace present or is it missing in my life? So reducing relational drama really springs from and is founded on um, uh, an attitude and a heart and a reality of peace in our lives. And we have to ask ourselves the question, where is that peace? Is it missing? Or to the extent that it's not missing, how are we experiencing that peace? Because you can't give what you don't have. So uh, questions, thoughts? Um, Kevin, you're crazy. Um, yeah, if only it were, and I'm not saying these are four easy steps to reducing relational drama. I said these are four realities that we can work on. Okay, I never want to say they're easy steps. Um, if they were, I'd have them down. I'm still a jerk, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there was this book that I read a few years ago. Um, oh, I can't remember the title, but in it, it had this test. It was called the jerk self-test. And I tested, I tested positive for, for jerk. I tested positive for being a jerk. I got so upset. I didn't like that at all. I said, this test is rigged, man. This test is, this is not true. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I am really grateful for you guys. Next week, we'll talk about one other, um, one other relational aspect, I think. Um, or actually, you know what? Next week is your call. What do you want me to talk about next week? Is there a burning issue? Something? Um, what am I preaching on? Well, I'm not preaching this Sunday. Because uh, this Sunday is the children's Christmas musical. It's going to be so good. Um, and then I... Yeah, they're doing it during the day because I wanted... Um, because when I, when I heard that it was being done in the, in the evening, I thought, oh, man, there's, there's going to be a lot of people who miss that, people who can't drive at night or, um, you know, other things like that. So I, I'm just, I'm really excited for the kids to have a big audience. Oh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Um, but no, no, on the 12th, on the 12th, I'm preaching on salvation. Uh, what does it mean when we say, you know, we believe in the salvation? Um, and then on the 26th, I conclude Credo by talking about uh, the end. What do we believe about the end of time? So the second, I'll talk about the second Advent as we've just celebrated the first Advent. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun. But um, all right, well, if you have something, you can, you can email me and let me know and give me some ideas. But uh, otherwise, we'll have something good. We'll have something good next week. Uh, I'll hang around if you have questions or thoughts or anything like that. Um, if you can instruct me on how to live out this stuff that I teach because I need help. I need help. <laughs> that spiritual gift of sarcasm is uh, alive and well, unfortunately. And so try to keep a muzzle on it, but sometimes it still breaks, through, breaks free. 
Well, let's pray and um, we'll, we'll go from there. Thank you, Father, for this time that you've given us. And Lord, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you that, um, Lord, you call us your children. You call us your sons and daughters. You call us beloved, dearly loved. You surround us with gentleness and mercy. And so, Lord, I pray that we would live lives that are, that are expressions of gentleness, mercy, and humility. And, uh, Lord, I pray that that would help us in the relationships, especially those difficult relationships we have. Um, help us to remember how difficult we can be. And, Lord, help us to be honest and also to be, be people who um, choose not to escalate situations and choose not to um, react and uh, help us to uh, avoid throwing kerosene on, on the fire, but instead to bring peace. So help us to be honest with where we stand with you and whether or not we are at peace in our own hearts. And I pray that you would speak to us and guide us in addressing that. We thank you for the peace that is available through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. All right. Thanks.